Do you know which uh, episode this is, Paul? Shh! It's <laughs> unlucky to talk about it. It's it. Well, it's episode thirteen. Yeah, it's episode thirteen, and we're talking about security. Isn't that a good combination? Hello, Janina. <laughs> um, Where are we today? Uh, today, we're, we are in the podcast studio. <laughs> in Schuster in Stockholm. In Schuster in Stockholm. I'm sorry, Just you got me completely off there. So, we are in the podcast studio again, like every week. Every week. And what are we talking about this week, Janina? We're going to talk about 5G and security. And security. Does that mean we've got big big guys in uniforms stood outside the door? I think he was pretty big and he gave me a scare. Yeah, so we have uh, Jonathan Olson coming here to talk 5G and security with us. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. But he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. He knows security. And he's explaining all the security things for us and for little me who doesn't really know that much about Network security things. Yeah, and uh, we do have a few buzzwords like IMSI and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the interview starts off a little bit techy, but if you're not into the super techy stuff, don't worry. I will. Uh, I will fix that with my quite simple questions at the end of the interview. So hang in and, there. And dear listener, as you may gather, we've already recorded this interview. Ah, wasn't that obvious? Uh, but first, we want to talk about some other things, Paul. We do. Fan mails! Well, actually, I've got one more exciting thing to talk about mm? first. Did you know we now have over 4,000 downloads for the podcast? That's Fantastic. Thank you, everyone out there who is listening. We are just so proud of this little baby of ours that people are listening to us and like liking things. <laughs> and, uh, and SoundCloud lets us know we've been downloaded from over 50 countries. Wow. We can't see more than 50 countries. That's all it lets us see. But we know that we've been downloaded from more than 50 countries. Yeah, it is and amazing. Yeah, it is amazing to see all these different countries where where people out there are listening to find out about 5G. Yeah. So uh, you, you've got, but you've got some mail. What, what what have we got in the mailbox? So we had <coughs> another mail from our friend Golan. Hmm. Uh, in who's the in in London? London? Yeah, and he was asking uh, about um, antennas and sites. Yeah, and we still have to organise an episode to talk about antennas and sites. Correct. We tried to get one, but uh, to get one going a couple of weeks ago, but they are so busy at the moment. It's so difficult to get uh, the right people to talk about antennas and sites. So we will do that. And we've got so many other interesting yeah. things to talk about, Janina. Yes. Like security. Like security. Yeah. No, but we have a lot of topics right now. So we just have to stack good. them up, schedule them, and, and get the right people in. But keep listening. We're going to get there eventually. Yeah. But there's a new question. What was the question? So, uh, this is quite. Uh, this is a little bit difficult to answer on the podcast because it's a photo. It is a photo. I've seen the photo. It's a very nice photo. Yes. So this is a photo. Even if I should describe it, so uh, uh, Golan is looking at uh, uh, um, well, uh, a rooftop. A rooftop in London. In London, uh, where there is a lot of uh, antennas. Yeah. And, and other some, equipment. And some men in yellow vests. Yeah. Who seems to be installing stuff? Installing exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's asking, "Is it five G?" And I thought that's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty uh, amazing. And um, Paul, I, <coughs> Paul, you went into deep dive mode here, right? Oh, d- a deep dive mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the photo, he's, r- he's ringed in uh, a nice little squarish-looking box, um, which is, uh, as he rightly says, it's an antenna. Uh, and uh, this is a uh, what we call a, a massive MIMO antenna. Mm-hmm. So that's an antenna array, which is, and we talked about massive MIMO before. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's being used for higher frequency bands, which is why it's smaller than the than, than the big long sausage shaped antennas that it stood stood alongside. Uh -huh. um, and it's so even if it's smaller, this is the massive MIMO one. This is still got this is still got lots of antennas in it, and I'm not quite sure from the picture, but it's probably either 32 by 32 or 64 by 64. Uh, and the nice thing about the picture, as having been around our exhibition space and looked at all our radios it actually looks like one of ours <gasps> nice <coughs> so it's massive mimo uh, and it's uh, it, and it's being rolled out there in london um i can't actually say it's 5g because their radios and bands which you could use for 4g or you could use for 5g and you probably can use them for in fact for both oh um but it's certainly being used for uh, it's either uh, advanced LTE, which will give you somewhere, you know, if you've got good reception conditions, over a gigabit per second, mm -hmm. which is which is pretty good for any, most people's needs. Uh, or you could use the same to to deliver a 5G service. And uh, what we see in a lot of markets, of course, is people are rolling out the technology. Um, we see lots of traffic growth coming in 4G, so you're going to need this technology for 4G as well. Yeah. Um, but you can roll it out for 4G and then you can repurpose it for 5G when you want to launch a 5G service. With the spectrum sharing, I guess. Yeah, and uh, if you're right across, if that's the view out of your window, mm -hmm. you should get pretty good reception, I would think. Cool, cool. So, that might be one of the first sites that gets uh, 5G coverage. Maybe, mm -hmm. we'll see. Uh, some other shout outs there. We, we're so happy that people are writing us. That they like the podcast. It's so yeah, great. Yeah, write, write in. Tell us, tell us, uh, you know, what you're listening for. What is it you'd like to hear about? Uh, what, what, what you've learned about? What questions you've got, of course, uh, and any topics you'd like us uh, like to hear us cover. Yeah, and please the, do. And the email is five G podcast at ericsson.com. We have another uh, question here, uh, Paul, from Bob in Washington D.C. What are the pros and cons of using 5G versus LoRa for enterprise sensors networks within a controlled space such as a campus? Do you have a question? Do you have an answer for that one? Well, I've probably got part of an answer for mm -hmm. that one. Uh, I mean, LoRa for the for for the audience, uh, LoRa is an, an another radio technology or a radio yeah radio technology mm -hmm. for providing coverage for Internet of Things devices. Ah, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are, there are actually lots of alternative ways of connecting your Internet of Thing device to the Internet. Uh, LoRa is one. Cellular networks is, is one. Um, but LoRa, but, but you, you can... But you can also see, you know, devices connected over Bluetooth to a hub. Uh, yes. There's, there's uh, Z-Wave or Z-Wave or whatever mm -hmm. it's called it, which I have at home. <coughs> which connects uh, to my uh, to my Wi-Fi. You can connect devices directly to Wi-Fi. So, th so there yeah, are of lots of alternatives. Yeah. Um, and um, the different alternatives have different characteristics in terms of uh, you know what they've got for range, how how well they penetrate in, inside buildings. Mm -hmm. and I think both cellular and LoRa are, are pretty good for for that. Um, they they differ in some of the ecosystem and infrastructure that, that comes in around those. And one of the things we want to talk about today when we talk about security, uh, Internet of Things is, is one of the aspects we talk about in, on the security topic. So yeah. that's interesting to listen for. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are practical things. That, you know, if you're going to build a, a campus site with lots of sensors on it, um, then it depends on are you making the sensors or are you buying the sensors from someone else? Because if you're buying them from someone else, um, then obviously, is it available in cellular or is it available in LoRa? That they, they, you know, that's a that's a basic choice, and I think that's one of one of the big things to steer. Um, when it comes to cellular IoT, and this is we talked about a lot about last week, uh, we see developing capabilities in cellular IoT, uh, and uh, you know if you, if you want or if you expect to want some things which need higher data rates or, or low latencies, and th those types of things, then there's probably more of a roadmap and a breadth of capability within cellular. Um, LoRa, I'm not an expert on LoRa, uh, but, but it's more aimed towards uh, simple 
uh, low-cost devices mm -hmm. with, with uh, more limited data rate capabilities, but very good uh, uh, range and coverage. Yeah. Always so much fun to get your uh, email and shouts out on, on social media. We just love it. We love it, love it, love it. And now let's talk. Let's get down to some serious security, security. business. to have Radioaxis Network Security Leader, RAN Security Leader. Is that the correct uh, title? Absolutely. Jonathan yeah. Olson. Yes, thank you. <laughs> nice to, to have you. Welcome, nice Jonathan. to have you in the studio. Sorry? Welcome, Jonathan. Uh, welcome, welcome, very much welcome. Uh, so, this time we're talking 5G and security. I don't know that much about the security of networks and what to think about when it comes to security of network. I can, uh, I can imagine that it's a, it's a very important topic. Mm. It's definitely top of mind right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and you're here to brief us about all the security things. And we got this, uh, a guide to 5G network security mm -hmm. pre-read. So, and this is like, this is a, a guide, really yeah, a guide about how to secure mobile networks when you go towards 5G. If, you, if you're looking for the document, uh, this uh, guide to 5G network security, it's, uh, you should find it uh, linked to this episode yep. on your favorite podcast uh, portal. When I was talking to Paul before here, uh, I was reading just the first uh, paragraph here, and it says, uh, today telecommunication networks are generally separated into four logical parts mm -hmm. radio access network which we've talked a lot about i think yeah uh, core network which we'll talk about for 5g very shortly transport network we had an, a, a complete episode On about transport, transport network yeah. and then interconnect network and what is that <laughs> well the interconnect networks is essentially what uh, the operators use to interconnect with each other. So that's what allows you to make a phone call from Sweden to any other country in the world, essentially. Okay. So, so it's like a management. Yeah, so it's what I might call like backbone networks that, that interconnect different different cities and go across boundaries between one operator's network to another operator. Well, uh, it could be using the backbone network, absolutely. Okay. But it's more of a what's supposed to be a contained network between operators that allows... Um, the user that when, when I connect to a, a mobile network in a foreign country and I'm roaming, then it knows exactly how to get to my home operator and allow me to set up the services and make calls and stuff like that. Okay, and that's obviously something that needs to be done securely. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of uh, media attention around um, the interconnect networks and the security in interconnect networks. Yeah, because you, you go on with saying that each of these network parts uh, has three planes, the control plane, the traffic plane, and the management plane. Right, right. And these three all have security threats posed to them? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So let, let's talk about the different planes then. Mm -hmm. So the, the traffic plane or the user plane train is, uh, plane is ex essentially where the user traffic is being sent. So if we look at um, mobile traffic from the mobile phone, then it gets sent over the air, yeah. and then it goes to the base station, and then it gets encapsulated into a tunnel, and it gets tunneled into the packet core, and then the packet core sends it out to the to the internet, or it might send it through the interconnect network to your home network operator. Mm. Yeah. And, a, and a tunnel in this context, that's like a logical connection from the base station through a number of different bits of transport equipment. Yeah, exactly. So in LTE, it's a, a GTP tunnel. And essentially what that means is that the user traffic actually doesn't get inspected by the radio base station. Uh, if there's any inspection of traffic that happens or if you want to have uh, policies applied to it, then that happens in the packet core. So the tunnel is initiated from the base station and terminates in the packet core. Mm. 
Does it make sense? That yes. makes yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. I've heard I've heard about tunneling. So <laughs> yeah. there yeah. there are lots of different types of tunnels. I mean, we we could also apply additional protection on the GTP tunnel uh, by using IPsec, and that's typically used in certain IPsec, scenarios. That's, that's IP security. IP security. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah, so, that's, <laughs> so, so that's that's security that's applied on, on, yeah, exactly. on the IP packet string. Yeah, exactly. So so you're adding another layer of security. So essentially. We use IPsec in, in what's called tunnel mode. So that means that we put the entire GTP packet, including the IP header, inside of this IP frame, IPsec frame. Mm -hmm. And that gets sent encrypted and integrity protected over the, the transport network. Mm -hmm. oh, and one of the applications of IPsec, if I understand rightly, is if, you, if you're building uh, an in-building network, so you're putting in a mobile network inside an office building or a factory or something, mm -hmm then it's quite common that that network is connected to the operator's network through uh, a normal internet connection. Uh, so a broadband, a broadband network connection instead of having a dedicated network from the operator. That means that the base station <coughs> needs to connect to the operator's network over what's called an untrusted network. Exactly. And yeah. that's where you need, to, you need to make sure that all the traffic that goes over somebody else's network uh, doesn't get spied on. Basically, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, there yeah. there are lots of different cases where you might want to apply IPsec. Uh, as you mentioned, you might be going over the internet, mm -hmm. which uh, you would treat as an untrusted network. But uh, it might be the scenario that uh, you, as an operator, don't own the transport infrastructure, and you're leasing a service from another operator, and you want to add a layer of protection there. Mm. Yeah, we've already said we need to talk a little bit about uh, using, uh, well, sharing network assets on a later oh, podcast. Oh, yes, we have, and yeah. we will. Yeah. 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 But uh, you also asked about the, the control plane. The control yeah. plane is essentially a, a separate um, uh, channel where the uh, 3GPP network functions interact with each other and, and help set up these connections between, for example, a terminal, your, your mobile phone, and and uh, establishing that you can connect to the network and creating the, the tunnels or the associations that you have to mm -hmm. actually be able to make phone calls or, or surf the web. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and then, uh, so the control plane is uh, more about that to secure that everything goes right in with with the packages coming there and everything. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple of things happening in the control plane. I mean, th one of the important things with cellular uh, technology is that you have authentication from the device to the network. And in, with LTE, you also got authentication of the network to the device. And all that happens in the control plane. So you're mm -hmm. doing authentication that's typically mm -hmm. on your SIM card um, to the network and the uh, all that uh, interaction between the terminal and the packet core, the MME and the LT case would be going through the control plane. So, so that's basically making sure that the network knows exactly who it's talking to. Exactly. It knows, it knows that uh, you have a valid subscription. Mm -hmm. It can check which services you're allowed to uh, access, but also knows how to charge you for it. Ah, how to charge. Mm. That's yeah. important. Yeah. So, I mean, the, these... But now we're getting straight into these quite technical terms because we're going into the different layers of the uh, the network, and we, we still have the management team, management plane to to uh, to talk about. But I wanted to go back. How has this been developed from when it was one G? We like what, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it, when yeah. things were when basically analog. <laughs> Right. Yeah. To to now, how are, have things uh, developed through the years when it comes to security? Mm, well, it's been a journey. So mm -hmm. the one G or NMT is a good example of one G technology. There, that was being sent analog, and essentially it was the first technology to allow mobile telephony. Mm. So that was a basic service that we were offering with one G, right? Allowing you to make mobile calls. Mm. Um, the challenge with using analog is that it's easy to, to eavesdrop on that type of mm. traffic. Ah. Uh, with 2G, um, they are understood that there is interest in mobile connectivity and making mobile phone calls, but they wanted to make it more secure and make it more efficient. So they added uh, encryption onto the air interface. They added the authentication of, of the subscribers. Mm -hmm. um, so, so with 3G, we introduced uh, new services, um, and that included mobile broadband, uh, so that you allowed, you were able to surf the web. 
Yeah. And um, with 3G also introduced uh, in improvements in the encryption standards that were used. Because with every ch every iteration of um, a mobile generation that 3GPP looks at, they try to understand, okay, what, what are the requirements for that generation? And, and when 2G was being defined, well, they looked at what algorithms were available then and the capabilities of devices and, and hardware that uh, the radio equipment vendors would use and, and cho made choices based on those, um, those, uh, those technologies. But as technology evolves, as it does, course it becomes uh, maybe you get improvements in how to uh, crack certain al algorithms you find vulnerabilities in older algorithms so you make improvements it's mm -hmm. an incremental uh, improvement that you make and yeah. in 3G they, ma they made an improvement that they, they introduced a stronger algorithm uh, snow 3G is an example of that um, now with LTE we got 4G what is it a little bit over 10 years ago now mm. and uh, 4G introduced higher broadband speeds, but it also looked back and said, okay, how do we improve the security even further? Because now we have more and more people that are using these broadband services. We see that the threat landscape is, is changing a little bit. So how do we improve the security? And then they introduced better uh, air encryption. Um, they also mm -hmm. introduced mutual authentication uh, into the radio network, which allowed mm. the, not only the network to make sure that it was a subscriber that was allowed to connect to the network, but also allowed the subscriber to verify the network that it uh, connected to. Uh -huh. And now we got into 5G. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So what, what problems does 5G solve? Well, f f like with every iteration, uh, 5G looks back at what were the challenges that 4G faced, right? Because it's an, it's an evolving field. Security is something that you always have to reevaluate what the situation is. You have to be on your toes. You have to be on your toes. <laughs> I mean, the, the bad guys are, are always uh, innovating and trying to find new ways to... The bad guys are also on their toes. Yeah, they're absolutely on their toes. If there's money to ma be made, then they're going to try and figure out how to do that. And that could be things like doing fraud, trying to access services that they don't have authorization to, to access, or it could be things like trying to eavesdrop on, on traffic or or even manipulate traffic. Mm -hmm. So with 5G, we see a lot of improvements uh, in, in this area. One example is, um, for example, uh, previously there's been uh, cases of uh, MC catchers and, and these types of things. And and what 5G introduces is that, well, the MC is never sent in, in plain text to the radio base station. And I see yeah. some questioning looks from you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now we have to go back no, no, a no, you just need to go, bit. I'm, I'm sure everybody, everybody knows what an MC is, but yeah. if you just uh, okay. clarify what MC is. Yeah, because yeah. I, th I think a lot of people out there heard because you have your MC co code. That's yeah. what what, yeah. Uh, what I remember about it. Yeah. That, okay, it's some sort of security that you might need to write down or save in some way or in some sometimes you get asked for it probably when you lose your phone or something well the, the mc is probably something that very few people have memorized because <laughs> it's a fairly large number <laughs> but but essentially that's a unique identity that that uh, that's connected to your subscription so if oh, i know your yeah. mc then i i can through other means also figure out you know, who you are. Okay, so, so it's not connected so to the device, or is it connected to the device the, as the, well? The device ID is what's called the IMEI. Mm. Right, yeah. that's it. But is the is the IMC, is that connected to your SIM card, or is it actually a unique directive? Yeah, it's connected the to the, the SIM card today. Okay, yeah. okay. now we have okay. those things mm. in our brain. Yeah. IMC and IMEI, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, so all this is related to privacy, right? There's a lot of uh, concerns regarding privacy and, and who can, uh, you know, find out where people are. So, doing positioning of people and mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out their habits and stuff by passively listening to to the network. And with five G, what they do is that they remove uh, the stage where this MC is sent in clear text down to the base station or ever exchanged uh -huh. over the air. Okay. Um, so, you know, it mitigates that, that threat. So now you're, you're using temporary IDs that are changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So th and that's completely new with 5G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's new. And you have like, you have this uh, personal, yeah, encryption then that makes it 
more secure for you. Well, it becomes, a, as I said, a temporary ID, so yeah. that even it's it's not necessarily encrypted as such, but uh, it, there's only a, a small period of time that the radio network can associate that with mm. with your subscription. Mm. But you still have the IMSI still exists. It's mm. just never sent in, in okay. clear text. Another improvement uh, related to privacy and also um, there was an academic paper that was published, um, I think it was last year, that demonstrated how you could, um, it's a fairly advanced attack, but you could uh, manipulate certain traffic even though it was encrypted. And mm. So with 5G, what they did is that they introduced integrity protection on the air interface as well, and that mitigates that type of attack. So mm. these are just examples of how improvements are being introduced constantly into the five yeah. or every new generation by 3GPB. Mm -hmm. one, one of the things that we've talked about before, but we, it gets talked about a lot with 5G, is uh, network slicing. Yeah. What, what does network slicing mean from a security point mm -hmm. of view? So, so network slicing is, is a concept that um, allows you to almost tailor services, network services, for specific... Uh, group of, of subscribers. So let's say that uh, well, I, I want to have uh, a mobile broadband slice which has a set of characteristics when it comes to how much um, capacity should be allowed there, what kind of uh, priority it should have compared to other traffic in the network. And I can also start putting you know, more detailed security policies associated with that network slice. Um, Whereas I might have another slice that's tailored for specific IoT applications, uh, maybe a mission-critical application, where I say, okay, this is high priority, so I can guarantee the type of latency requirements that, um, that we have for that application, that it's going to be always available, uh, even if there are loads, uh, there's high congestion in a network. But also I can tailor the security that's applied to that slice. Um, mm -hmm. It could be that I'm adding uh, specific security policies uh, for that slice. Or um, in the case of private networks, I can control what type of authentication methods are used for that particular slice. Mm. OK. That, that brings us on, to, in fact, to the topic of, of uh, private networks and mission-critical networks. Yeah, that which, was a uh, good, uh, because uh, we just launched today a uh, new offering, Crit critical, critical broadband, broadband offering, offering, just for that, mm -hmm. that segment. So, you know, when it comes to people like government services, and, and we talk about people like the police and the, you know, the ambulance service or the fire brigade, or you, or you look at um, you know, critical, uh, critical infrastructure for maybe port authorities or in, a, you know, in, in mines or manufacturing context, what are the things that they're thinking about from a security point of view? Well, if you look at um, police services or, or fire brigade services and those types of services, then, of course, confidentiality is very important, right? Mm -hmm. they, they don't want other people to be listening in on what's happening in that uh, on the, on the, their, their communication channels. Like in the olden days when you listened into the police scanners. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> what you don't want to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, of course, addressing... make. Addressing that concern is in yeah. important, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also ensuring that they're able to uh, talk in a, to communicate with each other in a timely manner, uh, that that communication always gets through. Mm. Uh, in some of these use cases, they also have video feeds, so they want to ensure that that video is coming through so that they can act on what they're seeing mm. yeah. remotely. Um, so those types of things are, are important. But if you look at other, um, other industrial cases um, where... Absolutely, confidentiality is important, but they're more time sensitive and sensitive to outages. So high availability, high reliability, and mm. quick delivery becomes uh, very important for those yeah. types of So reliability, that in, in a sense, that's another, another aspect of security. Absolutely, when you talk yeah. about secure connection. Yeah. Yeah, uh, availability. If we look at the, the CIA triad, right, we have confidentiality, integrity protection and then availability of services and mm -hmm. availability is exactly what you're talking about related to reliability making sure that under um, conditions where a network might be under adverse conditions that it still remains robust and available. Mm -hmm. And that with that you mean like a catastrophic situation like big fire in the area or something like that? Is that yeah, there, there are lots of different sources of threats. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about are natural disasters, yeah. 
So it could be, you know, there's a tornado, there's a tsunami or, or mm-hmm. something like that. But it could also be uh, threats that originate from threat actors, right? Yeah. People that are trying to either uh, manipulate a service or uh, cause service outages or get access to data or something like mm. that. But threats are also insiders, right? They can be disgruntled employees, um, people that aren't happy with their job but want to get revenge on their employer, for example. Um, but another source is accidental. I mean, we're humans and we make mistakes mm-hmm. and mm. that leads to, unfortunately, situations where there might be service outages or where data is leaked. Ah, yeah. Mm. So all these things have to take it, like, to to come into the thought about security for an entire network. There are a lot of different components. And I guess with 5G, it's getting even more critical because here we have a lot of very 5G specific use cases, like cars, connecting cars, connecting vehicles, where th- it can never go down. How, how is that coming into things now? <laughs> Difficult <laughs> questions. <laughs> you, well, you, a, like uh, the machine type communication you write about here. It's important, w- it's more important mm. with 5G because it's got another type of connection. Yeah, so so the, there, there are a couple of aspects involved. There, and this was definitely something that 3GPP took into consideration when they started defining the 5G standard. They, mm. they looked at, okay, what are the use cases that we want to address with 5G? What are the yeah. requirements associated with those use cases? And they built uh, built in the capabilities into the standard to support those use cases as, as well as possible. Mm. So, so this, the standard aspect is, is one, one part, but then when it comes to um, deploying this, you have to make mm. certain choices on how you deploy uh, your networks. Uh, will it be a private network? Will it be will I be using a, a public network? Um, will I be using only embedded systems? So that means the way that we traditionally build radio networks where you get the hardware and software from one vendor, or do I want to start virtualizing and looking at those types of de- deployment scenarios? And, mm-hmm. and you get different um, levels of flexibility depending on what you're, uh, which scenarios you're, you're considering. Um, but it also introduces uh, some challenges from a risk perspective. If I start virtualizing um, or ru- wanting to run in a virtualized environment, then I'm introducing new risks that I need to address. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And what, one thing that was interesting for me is when, when we, we talked last week about the Internet of Things, mm. uh, and that, of course, is taking off now in, in 4G, but will be even more important in, in 5G. Uh, you're moving from... Uh, security related to what I do with my phone and my communication and my web surfing and things. So now you need to needing to protect what's happening with devices that are embedded in something. So in my smart meter or my, my parking meter or uh, or as you were saying, devices in, in your car. Uh, how does that differ from what we've done before? So there are a couple of things that uh, make IoT uh, different, right? So the first one that that everyone I think is talking about is that well, the sheer number of devices that get uh, connected to the yeah. network, right? And and just from a systemization perspective, that means that you have to build the system so that it scales uh, to meet the demands of those uh, yeah. those types of deployments. But um, we also have to understand that uh, a lot of these devices are going to be connected to cyber physical systems, and that that means that. They, there'll be actuators or, or sensors in there that have an impact in the real world. Mm. Uh, so if these devices get uh, compromised, mm. then they can cause physical damage and in some cases also um, introduce risk to human life. Mm. So that that's one of those dimensions that's uh, very relevant for some of the industrial applications that we're looking at because yeah. in, in many industries, uh, human life you know, it has a very high priority because it's a very real concern, right? So they have very strict safety regulations and and we have to make sure that 5G Mm. doesn't compromise that either. But but that's a kind of, talk slightly techy here, but that's kind of system responsibility. You know, if I I design a device to go into something, I don't know what 
that something is necessarily and it could be in an application where it doesn't really doesn't matter or it could be an application that's really very critical mm -hmm. so that you know, there's a system responsibility to make sure that yeah you're, that's, you're, that's a really relevant point because if, when we talk about iot devices it's not a few vendors that are going to be in developing mm. these IoT. Mm. There's going to be an extreme diversity of vendors that are yeah. providing these IoT devices. And some of them will be providing these devices to uh, environments that they traditionally have been providing. So there might be vendors that are very niche towards industrial applications and new vendors that are trying to sell to you know, c consumer applications and stuff. And they all have different um, tolerances to risk, right? And they have all different references in how they work with security. And mm -hmm. that, that's also an important thing to, to highlight, right? Because with 5G, if we look at what's standardized in 3GPP, 3GPP standardizes um, functional architecture that describes what each function should be doing yeah. and how they communicate with each, with each other. So they define the interfaces. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the primary goals there is to define uh, a standard that allows interoperability between vendors in order to provide the network services they have. Mm. So yeah. that's the what. But what 3GPP doesn't go into and say is, how do I develop those products so that they're secure? Mm. Uh, now, there is, uh, there is of course, SECAM, um, which is uh, the security assurance model or security assurance methodology. Um, which is an attempt to try and uh, raise the bar there so that um, we have a, a common reference on what the requirements are from a vendor perspective to when they develop their products so that they meet the minimum set of requirements. So, mm. so that's, that's one step of the way. And we see similar types of uh, certification programs, for example, for IoT devices. Uh, CTIA, I think they have an IoT cybersecurity uh, CTI has, uh, what's it called? It's called, hold on now. It's called CTIA IoT Cybersecurity Framework, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, just a, a, a broader question, really, that if, if you look specifically at the Internet of Things, then, you know, cellular IoT is one way of connecting things together, yeah, but there yeah. are other ways and standards for, for, for doing that, including things like Wi-Fi, Know, connecting things over with, you know, uh, to a hub using Bluetooth and that type of thing. Mm. How much of this work on security is generic to the Internet of Things and how much of it relies on features of the cellular IoT network? So I think uh, when it comes to security and IoT, mm. uh, there's some fragmentation there, mm. right? Because then we're talking about how do I developed uh, uh, applications that are running on these IoT devices? How do I secure the host operating system? And how do I ensure that there's secure communication between the application and maybe other devices or the services that they're talking to? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the fragmentation there is that um, you have specific uh, maybe vendor ecosystems that have uh, ways or have defined ways of doing it, um, but there's not uh, a common one that everyone's joining behind. Um, so that's something that's in addition to what 3GPP defines, right? So 3GPP specifies how do I provide a secure communication service within the 5G network? Yeah. And but the IoT security is on top of that, really. Yeah. But, but kind of the feeling that I have is that, that you actually get quite a lot in terms of the secure connectivity in a, in a cellular network that maybe you don't get off the shelf with some of the other technologies. Yeah, Is so it like, you, oh, if you buy a 5G-enabled device, you can be sure that it's more secure? You can you can be sure that you have good security within the 5G network. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but good enough. <laughs> yeah, but, but that comes back to what I said before. <laughs> I think that you end up with a lot of responsibility on yeah, the system yeah. responsibility for the IoT solution for whatever it is that you're using it for mm. Mm. You know, that's whoever makes that system they have a responsibility for the security of that system and uh, you know the connectivity and the the, the the network can provide the building blocks and tools through standardization right. and through implementation right. but you still need to you, you still need to put all that together and make sure that you know my connected operating theater or whatever is is, is actually secure from my operating room where my remote doctor is somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. It is. Mm. yeah.
Uh, when it comes to security, I mean, there when we I think we, when we started with the 4G 10 years ago, there was a lot of rumors that oh now your mobile phone will be hacked, and I I think a lot of people uh, downloaded like virus protections to their mobile phones. Uh, I personally have not heard of anyone getting their mobile phone hacked the way their computers mm. are uh, compromised sometimes. How come? And is there a difference? Well, if we, it's this a, is a very broad a, question. A, that is a very broad question. But uh, if, if we look at um, the mobile, the smartphone ecosystem, mm. right, then you diff- typically have two camps. You have the Android camp and the iOS camp. And... Which is the same, actually, in, in your personal computer Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, ha- you, have, you have Windows and then uh, Apple OS, and then yeah. we have Linux to, to a certain extent as well. Yeah. A- and um, no operating system and no, no product is going to be free from bugs, right? There's always going to be some way of exploiting and getting access to it. And, and what we've seen that both of these ecosystems, if we look at Android and, and Apple, they've they've taken good steps to try and improve the security uh, in their operating system, in how they do onboarding of uh, application providers, how they do vetting of uh, applications as well in their in their stores. Um, but sometimes things are able to to get through, right? Um, yeah. And then it's a matter of how do they respond to that. How quickly do they remove the application uh, from the mm-hmm. app store, um, and do they improve their processes? Of course, yeah. I mean, that, and that's always a big security risk that you take when you download apps. That uh, oh, you might be actually milked for data, or sure, some yeah. some things that you didn't want to get out there is mm. shared. I mean, that's that's obvious in the world of Facebook <laughs> and, and other social media mm-hmm. applications as well. But I haven't seen like any smartphone blue screen or like, oh, my computer was hacked, I could not get it to work anymore. Does that happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does. It, it, do, it, does ha- it does happen and, and it doesn't necessarily need to be because it was hacked. We always have the security issue of, uh, yeah, things malfunctioning yeah. <laughs> just the way they are, I suppose. Uh, but th- th- there are lots of examples of, of applications that had been, like you said, stealing user data, mm-hmm. maybe uh, taking screenshots and sending them back to some centralized server or mm-hmm. even having the microphone turned on. And uh, you know, some of that's related to uh, how the access control is managed by the device and the, yeah. the operating system, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you have... Uh, just a very basic application that's acting as a level, mm-hmm. then maybe it doesn't need to have access to your contact exactly. data. <laughs> and, and what I usually say, like, when, when, when you get these uh, requirements for very, very elaborate passwords, that that in itself is a security risk because you have to write it down because there is no way you can remember them. Uh, so you need a just password that. Manager. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I'm, I'm a strong advocate of using a password manager there. Yeah. Having unique passwords for as many of your services as possible. Yeah. And as you uh, as you mentioned, this uh, IMC encryption, where it's that is sort of like a manager of not sending the the oh, password or something like that. To, uh, it's a good it's a good example of how how the five G system makes a lot of these complex cities in you know how they protect the network mm-hmm. transparent to the end user. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of, one of the things we learn that when we talk about uh, the cellular network, mobile network, is there's, there's actually a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes oh, yeah. that, that, that you never even think of when you pick up your phone and press the button and surf the web or you know, ring your mum or whatever it is that yeah. you do. It's, um, yeah. The one thing that we didn't talk about before, that because I <laughs> started talking about other things in the middle, of, was the threats to the like when we talked about the management plane. Mm. Is there anything there you want to add? Is there is there any specific threats in the management plane? Well, if if you look at what the management plane is, essentially the management plane is 
what's used to configure the devices in the network, mm. right? So, mm. so if I want to uh, provide a transport service, then I'll use the management plane. Well, initially, we were okay. If I take a step back, because <laughs> this is actually changing, right? Because this is the evolution of how you're doing management in networks. But the, typically, you go uh, through use a management plane to go and configure parameters in. in in devices in a network. And if you have control of the management plane, then essentially you have control of oh. the whole network, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's very sensitive uh, and needs a lot of uh, protections in, yeah. in place, mm -hmm. right? Um, the evolution that I was talking about is if we take the example of transport networks, uh, you know, one way of doing it is that I do it manually through the management plane and say, okay, this is, these, this is how my network looks like and this is what the connectivity between the nodes should be. You know, mm. These are the VLANs that I should be using. This is how I prioritize and et cetera, et cetera. The evolution that we see is you know, SDN, software-defined networks, puts that into the control plane. So now we have a dedicated control plane for, for managing those types of devices and setting up these services uh, uh, in an automated fashion. And that is then a new attack surface. And we've mm -hmm. seen lots of examples where um, SDN controller has, for example, been attacked and then the attacker could reroute the traffic in the network as they saw fit. So, oh. so that becomes then uh, something that needs to be protected in the network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When it comes to security issues in the network, one thing I've heard about quite recently was something about like rogue base stations or something like that, ghost base stations. Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, well rogue base stations are, are essentially, uh, well, they might have several applications. Uh, you might have... Uh, um, let me take a step back. There, there are several applications for rogue base stations, but essentially what a rogue base station does is that you have um, a device that claims to be part of the operator network, mm -hmm. right? And what it tries to do is it tries to get uh, other devices to connect to it. Yeah. And yeah. what that allows the rogue base station to do then is collect information like IMSIs mm -hmm. or other data that it can use to create profiles of users or or maybe even do session hijacking uh, is also an example. That's sort of like what, what we hear about when uh, I've seen some signs in car parks, like when people are locking their cars, they can be scammed. <laughs> like their <laughs> their keys can be scammed. Is that sort of the same thing that you have? Well, well it, it's, it's, si it's similar. Uh, mm -hmm. So essentially what's happening uh, in the car park case with your car is that someone's listening yeah. to uh, what your key fob is sending and doing a replay attack so so they or they could be jamming it so that you know you're, you you think you're locking your car and and it doesn't actually lock and you walk walk away and, and thinking then it's that unlocked. oh your car <laughs> is locked yeah, yeah? Mm -hmm. so this is this is a, a physical device that wants to give the the impression that it is a, a, a radio base station. Mm. Yeah. And that, but of course, it's super important to yeah. to that the network can uh, can see that. Well, well or to be able to detect that they're there is, yeah. is one aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but what we've seen 5G do is that it, it, it removes that threat completely. Right? Wow. Mm. So so That's essentially, what 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 those uh, rogue based stations did was that they do a, a downgrade attack. So it force uh, a user that might be connected to LTE uh, to go down to two G. And we know that there are unfortunately vulnerabilities in two G that would allow this type of attack to happen. And what five G does then is it, it provides additional security so that you know even if someone were to set up a rogue base station that claims to be a 5G G node B or something like that, you won't, it you won't connect to it, right? Well. Mm. That's yeah. pretty but, cool. But that, that type of attack, that it, it's, it's, it's related, I don't know, nephew or cousin, to, to this thing with uh, you know, using public Wi-Fi nodes that you, know, you don't actually know who's, who, who can see and get access to your traffic when, if, if you don't know the security of what you're connecting to. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's that's an interesting one because you know it's partly connected to device behavior. Yeah. Uh, so some devices will just connect to open Wi-Fi access points, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and then you know if if an attacker has control of that Wi-Fi access point, then 
then they can do a lot of fun, th- fun things with your traffic, right? Or not so fun things. Uh, fun things from their perspective. <laughs> 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 what a fun area you work yeah. with. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you need, you need to be vigilant about which Wi-Fi networks to connect to. Yeah. And if you do use a public Wi-Fi, then use a VPN service and then... Yeah, of course. You'll secure ah, your traffic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, but you know, using a VPN service, that's a bit like what the cellular network is doing to your traffic automatically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a good analogy, actually. <coughs> when, when you talked about tunnels earlier, that's mm. like a VPN service. Yeah, in many respects, it is. Inside the five G network, all your traffic is going protected from your device to the edge of the five G network. Mm. Do you feel safer now? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a pretty good conclusion of of this. So, so, yeah, to sum up, 5G is going to be complicated, but it's got some clever stuff in it that's going to make uh, your traffic more secure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good summary. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jonathan, for being here and explaining all these things to me. Yeah, that was a good romp (laughs) through security. (laughs) Yeah. That was a pleasure to be here. We touched on lots of stuff. Yeah. So, thanks everyone for this time. See Um, you next week. Or hear you next week. Hear you next week. (laughs) Uh, And uh, then we will catch up a little bit about Barcelona. MWC. MWC. Mm? Mobile World Congress. Yes. Mm? There's lots happening in preparation for Mobile World Congress. Oh, yes. We can talk more about that next week. See you next week. Bye.